I read this quote in, in an article where the woman said, it's just helpful for our family to know where everybody is. There are anxious families in my circle where the parents are tracking the kids and the kids are tracking the parents. So that is a lot of reassurance That's right. that everyone is addicted to. Yeah, yep. Everybody wants to know where everybody else is. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and other big feelings. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way, and I'll even tell you what to say. So Lynn, I know what you want to talk about today because you've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I have been. So we're going to talk about tracking apps today and <laughs> all that comes with that. We had a teen retreat earlier this year in Vermont and you brought up the most popular tracking app, Life360, and your opinion of not tracking. And you could just feel it in the room. The spines of the teens straightened in mm-hmm. one. I remember turning to her mom and going, see? And, so- <laughs> and I was actually talking to a group of high schoolers. So I was at a school a few weeks ago and I was talking to the ninth through 12th graders in different chunks. And at the end of the talk, they're asking me questions and somebody asked me the question or whatever. And I said, no, I, I don't agree with tracking apps. And if you want to tell your parents that I said this, I said, they shouldn't be tracking you on your phone. And there was like uproarious applause. The hardest group for me to talk to actually is a group of high schoolers because they usually push back on me. Like I usually get, somebody comes up and usually lectures me after I talk to high school students. You mean a high school student lectures you? A high school student comes up and lectures me about what I said that wasn't correct, et cetera, et cetera. Like inevitably somebody comes up And sometimes they're asking legitimate questions and sometimes they're so not informed. But anyway, what I say, like your parents shouldn't be tracking you. It's almost at this point, if I just want to feel good about myself, I'll say that because then they all like (laughs) burst into uproarious (laughs) applause. So it is kind of a little self-serving. Yeah. But I do believe it for sure. Okay. So let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I actually know nothing about tracking because- Mm -hmm. I know how you feel about it. And I joked with my husband, your brother, I was talking about the tracking thing. And he said, you guys are going to talk about tracking. And I said, yeah, it's a big thing. And he's like, is it? And I was like, yeah, if Lynn wasn't your sister, you'd be totally into (laughs) And, And he was like, oh, yeah, I can see why it would be helpful. I mean, it's so tempting. So tempting. Okay, so before I venture into this, let me just say that there are certain situations and certain times where I can definitely see the advantage of it. So I was doing a little research because I actually have never used these apps. And so I had, I just wanted to look and see what was going on in the world. And I can definitely see there are certain situations, like there was one thing where I read if a kid has a really severe food allergy, or you've got a child with epilepsy or something like that, it can be helpful for parents to be able to have that safety net around a child that has a significant issue. But that is the very small minority of uses for this. I mean, it's basically like, I want to know where my kids are. And 
what you hear over and over again, the parent says, it just makes me feel better to know where they are all the time. Let me just say a few things. One is that I'm very clear about the fact that little children should not have smartphones. And yet there's a huge movement, a huge increase in elementary age kids carrying around smartphones. So parents are tracking these younger children. And what I see is then it doesn't stop. And so it moves into middle school. They feel more adamant about tracking their teenagers. And then once the child goes away to college and is now a young adult, the tracking doesn't stop. So it becomes very almost addictive. You become dependent upon it. And you really see it as, look, it's just making my life easier because I'm not feeling anxious as a parent and it's making my child safer. So I want to push back on that for the listeners who just heard what you said and they are tracking. Mm -hmm. You believe that it's making your life less anxious, Mm -hmm. but your appetite and your need for that information is probably maintaining or increasing anxiety and other haunting areas of your life. Correct. So this is just how anxiety works, right? The idea of the more I know, the better I'll feel. Right. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't you know work that. that way. Because the goal is to be able to tolerate not knowing, not to continue to increase the information. If I could sort of go back in time and be like, I'm going to invent something that's just going to totally freak parents out. What could it be? What could it be? I know. I'll create a device where they can know where their child is all the time. The problem, of course, with that, well, there's a few problems. One is that the research is showing, and there's a, a woman who recently did a study. She's a professor at the London School of Economics, and she's been looking at all the research. She said there is no research that shows that these apps actually keep kids safer, which I thought was really interesting, which again supports what we know about a lot of the things that we do as anxious parents is that the evidence is not there to support that we're protecting them from something. What researchers also look at is what are the skills that kids aren't getting that actually do increase their ability to problem solve, to manage things. Because what happens is kids don't get the opportunity to step out into the world and to figure things out if they've got these parents there all the time. It's sort of this very counterintuitive process where you say, I'll keep my children safer by knowing where they are all the time and checking in on them all the time. And what you're inhibiting is their ability to problem solve. And interestingly, parents, what you are increasing is their ability to try and do things that are risky without having open communication with you. So the more that you are tracking them, the more that they feel like you're intruding upon them, the more they are trying to get away with things. And that's something that's really problematic. And they figure it out. Yeah, that's a parenting dynamic that can happen in a lot of ways. When you aren't respecting the autonomy and the boundaries of your child, mm -hmm. there will be consequences in behaviors and things like that. Yeah. So when you start tracking an elementary-aged child, the parent has a different agenda. And then that middle school agenda is like you're starting to give that child more physical freedom of where they go. And then by high school, I have a high school student. We don't track her. 
but I know other parents who do. Like you said, it's a nest of rebellion. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a nest of rebellion and it's a nest of like, I'm being too controlled. So how can I break the rules of what my parents are setting? Right. One of the things, and this is what I say when I speak, people have probably heard me say this, is that the goal for me raising two teenage boys was to promote responsible communication. Yes, that's what we're working on now. Right. So instead of me saying, okay, so you don't really have to pay attention to where you are or when you're going to be late or whether or not I need to adjust my schedule to pick you up because our phones together are going to do all the work for you. What I wanted to promote in my teenagers was you need to, and I used to say this to them, you need to pull your head out of your ass long enough to tell your mother that you're going to be late so that she can adjust her schedule rather than giving that responsibility over to a device. I wanted them to pay attention to how they communicate. And I think when you track your kids, you're not only are you eliminating that skill of responsible communication, but you're also saying to them, I have to know where you are all the time because I don't trust you to keep me informed. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, and if you don't trust your child to keep them informed, where is the motive for them to learn the skill? Exactly. Yep. That's one of the things that we work on. You know, my husband and I, over the course of our marriage, and even back when we were dating, he might give me a ride somewhere. There was a period I didn't have a car because I lived and worked in downtown Boston. Mm -hmm. So he would come and pick me up. And there was a way that you just politely treated the person who was going to give you a ride and how you communicated with that person. Mm -hmm. And that's what I use as my model with my daughter. If you ask me to come and collect you, you should be at the place that you stayed at that time. Right. It's not my job to track you down once you get there. And so she's learning that. And I always say like, what's the expectation? But if in fact I was to go and pick them up she and her friends at the outdoor mall near our house, and I use the tracking app to know what stores they were in front of, Mm -hmm. they will not learn that polite way to correspond. And like you said, to stay one step ahead of how their actions affect other people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I remember a mom getting mad at me after a talk and she said, my daughter was coming back from, I forget what it was, some sort of competition or whatever. So they're on the bus. And she said, if I didn't have that tracking app, the bus was 15 minutes early. And if I didn't have the tracking app to know that, my daughter would have had to stand there and wait for me for 15 minutes. And I said, or she could have texted you and said, mom, the bus is coming in 15 minutes early. All right. So I want you to think about that while we take a quick break. You know, sometimes people wait until something bad happens to talk to a therapist, but why wait? Therapy can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and feel grounded in your personal relationships. So getting started is the important part. Talkspace makes it easy and affordable. With Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home, your car, your office. There's no need to commute to appointments and miss time at work or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. 
That's right. And it's secure and private. They use the latest end-to-end bank-grade encryption technology to store client information, complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. Remember, Talkspace is affordable and it's in-network with most major insurers. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with your licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. Okay, back to the show. If you've got a kid with separation anxiety, right? And we've done a lot of episodes on that. We just did that in session episode with that little girl. If you have separation anxiety, one of the things that helps you do the disorder is to know where your parents are all the time. I've even heard this is something also that's kind of becoming a thing. Schools now are beginning to push back on the complete unlimited access that kids have to their phones during the school day. Way back in the cell phone, early cell phone times, kids couldn't have their phones out. And then they just sort of gave up on that. My kids' high school just gave up on that. And so a lot of kids have their phones out all the time. And I'm hearing teachers saying, it's really becoming intrusive and we need to have them take their phones away, just during class, right? And what parents are saying is they're now going to give their kids two cell phones, one that they hand in if they can't have access to the phone, and the other that they hide and keep with them so the parents can have access to them all the time. That's nuts. It's just nuts. Yeah. Sometimes parents do that also at sleepovers. (laughs) Yeah. Because I used to always say, like, everyone put your phone in this basket so that you guys are actually playing and talking to each Mm -hmm. other. 
one mom was like, nope, cell phone's got to be with my daughter so I can reach her at all times. Yes. Okay. So on that note, I found out about a few interesting developments in the tracking app world that I was rather shocked by. So some people may be like, oh yeah, no, we've lin- we've known this forever, but but I didn't know this. We're very easy shockers in this area. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. So there's this one app that if your child doesn't respond to your text or your call in a certain amount of time, like say you set the time for like two minutes or three minutes, their phone freezes, an alarm starts going off, and the alarm doesn't stop going off and the phone doesn't unfreeze until they call you back. You can put that on your phone. This came up with us recently. And, you know, there's a part of me who I'm like, I totally want that app. <laughs> like, I don't need to track, but reply to me. And I'm teasing, right? Like, it's so alluring. But that's the thing. In the process of us learning responsible communication, there are mishaps. Right. And so if I'm out and I'm near the pickup place and I'm saying, can you let me know I'm near? Can I get you now? Yeah. You know, and then I just don't hear. Mm -hmm. So I have to go all the way home (laughs) and then I have to go all the way back because I didn't hear. I confess it was very funny. I got really worked up about it. Yeah. Because I was like, just why aren't you replying? Yeah. And it was because I just wanted to pick her up because I was right there and she didn't reply. So I did something that, you know, you might not condone. Like <laughs> after a while, then it's like, okay, it's no longer rude. So then I'm a catastrophizer. Uh-huh. So I'm like, why hasn't she replied to me in like half an hour? Mm-hmm. Then I'm starting to like get a little worked up. Yeah. I had an idea who she was with, but I didn't have that contact info. And at that point, it had been over 30 minutes. So then I reach out to another friend of theirs. So I just said, hey, do you know where my daughter is? I'm trying to pick her up. And then like, ding, ding, ding. The friends are all on a group chat. Her mom's looking for her. And then (laughs) another person who did have their phone out said, hey, your mom's looking for you. Then my daughter gets her phone out of her backpack and is like, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. I got really worked up about that, even though I know this stuff. Yeah. It's like these are real struggles and frustrations as parents. So I don't I don't want to dismiss like, why would you do that? Or why do you need that? Because I got really worked up. This is actually the worst part. I'm embarrassed to admit this. So then she's like, okay, no, I'm here. I'm ready. I was upset with her. Talk about emotional management. I wrote, why don't you just walk? (laughs) 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 And and she wrote, okay. Then I was like, no, 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 no. I said, no, I'll come back and get you. And then I feel like I practiced what you preach on the podcast. I picked her up and I said, look, I was really sad and I'm sorry I did that. And she said, no, I get it. You were frustrated because I didn't have my phone out and you were there and you had to go home and come back. And I'm sorry. Like, And I was like, I'm sorry I overreacted. And of course, I would always collect you when you needed me. Mm -hmm. I just was in that moment. Parents deal with this stuff all the time. Yeah. So my husband doesn't have a cell phone. The inconvenience of that has been played out. Numerous times. Numerous times, right? So I totally get it. If he had a cell phone, there are certain mishaps and delayed flights and this and that that would have been avoided. I totally get the convenience of cell phones and how they make communication easier. And let me be clear, 
I am not against parents texting and kids texting to make those arrangements. The thing that I am against is the consistent tracking to make sure that you know where they are all the time. Right. Because if I if I had tracked her, I would have just gone to where she was and parked outside. I actually didn't know exactly where she was. And that's why I needed to hear from her. It's teaching her those skills right. of being out in the world and realizing she is on her own. And that is an important thing to get good at. Kids will say to me, how did you go to college without cell phones? Like, how did you guys find each other? And I said, well, we had this really sophisticated system. We all had a whiteboard on our dorm room door. And you would write a little note to your friend. And you would say, meet me at lunch at 1230. And then you would be there at 1230. Absolutely. In our, in our day, <laughs> the friends who had really good character, you would say like, hey, meet me in the middle of Times Square June 1st and we'll yeah. get together. And you knew, done. I'll be there. And you made a commitment and you were there. Yeah. There wasn't a way to know where everybody was all the time. So you had to show up. And I think, again, the biggest skills that I'm trying to promote in kids is responsible communication and problem solving. And then we want, of course, growing autonomy. It's the intrusiveness of it and the expectation that I'm going to know where my child is all the time. It was interesting. I saw this quote from a parent who is tracking her son who's away at college. And she said her son doesn't mind. And she said, the reason he doesn't mind is because he knows that I have peace of mind without being intrusive, which is basically what she was saying is I can just watch where he is all the time and he doesn't have to bother with the multiple texts that I used to send him to make sure that I knew where he was all the time. And for her to think that that isn't intrusive is inaccurate. Exactly. To say like, I'm not being intrusive by knowing where he is all the time. You've got to think about the message that you're sending to your kids, which is one is that we're not going to communicate about things openly. I don't trust you. And what parents will say, well, it's not that I don't trust you. I don't trust everybody else. Well, <laughs> you're not in charge of everybody else. You want your child to learn how to problem solve, to learn how to communicate with you. If they need help, how do they get help? And again, I am not against cell phones. I'm against constant tracking. You're against the apps on the cell phones that replace responsible communication. Exactly. Let me tell you, I found this other one. Like this was mind blowing because again, I don't know these. You can get a app that allows you to remotely activate the microphone on your child's cell phone so that you are listening to them without them knowing. Ugh. Can you imagine? Well, also think about the technology that's marketed as such in this so-called like far more benign application than other ways that it could be. That's really gross. They're also collecting your data. Just like we know that Facebook targets ads and all that kind of stuff, these apps are designed to target ads. If you're tracking your 13-year-old and you know that she's spending an enormous amount of time at whatever store she goes to at the mall, she's going to start getting ads on her phone for those stores. So to think that you're doing this in some sort of private way, to think that you are gathering information about your child and that these apps aren't gathering information 
about you and your child is silly because that's not how all of this works anymore. Well, that's something to think about while we take a little break. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Now let's get back to the show. I like to always find the systemic cause of something. Like, let's keep going and digging and digging until we get to the root of something. Mm -hmm. So obviously, we talk a lot about why are our numbers for anxiety so high? Why did our parenting culture get so anxious as our default? Mm -hmm. And technology is a huge piece of this. And we've talked about that before. So let's just all stop and think about how we all had baby monitors and then we had baby monitors with cameras and it is normalizing the ability to have all the information all the time. Some of you know, I'm a travel advisor. I was staying at this one resort down in Florida, very fancy five-star resort, and the kids club had their own tracking app. Mm. So parents were supposed to download this app once they dropped their kids off. It had a camera. It had all these things. And I was like, "Uh, no, I'm good. Thanks. They wouldn't have had it if that hadn't been requested and that they thought that was providing white glove service. Right. It is this idea that the more information I have, the better off I'll be. Right. And so, but what we know is anxiety wants more and more information and it just feeds your anxiety because you can't close the certainty gap, right? You can't get a hundred percent of what you want and your quest is certainty. Your quest is, I know a hundred percent. I'm looking up at what these apps do. They have ones now that they market that say, Because, of course, 
teenagers are way ahead of us technologically. And so ha- they have all sorts of ways to sort of hack these apps and to get around them and that kind of stuff. So there's an app that's advertised that says that your child will never find out that you as a parent are tracking them. Because then you begin to think, maybe we're using this for parents and children, but then also we've got children using it for parents. We know that with anxious kids. I see that happening all the time. Another trend that's happening now is that teenagers are using this in their relationships. They're using it in their friendships. So if you are a person, if you are a 15-year-old who has a girlfriend or boyfriend, one of the requirements a lot of times in these relationships is that you're tracking each other so that they know exactly what you're doing all the time. I find that very disturbing behavior in relationships because it's disturbing with adults. We know that one of the things that we know with abusive relationships and stalking relationships is the technology is very available. And now it's just going younger and younger and younger. Right. If a parent is using all sorts of their own personal language to justify why they're tracking you out of love Mm -hmm. and concern and safety. It's not a big stretch for then that 15 or 16 year old to apply that same model of love in air quotes with that sort of tracking. That's right. And I think it's very helpful to think about an anxious father who wants to track his teenage daughter. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with her teenage boyfriend tracking her? Exactly. And if that feels different to you, think about it. There's been such an effort to market this and to normalize it. I'm certainly not judging the parents who've gone down this path, but I think it's really clear for them if they've been listening to this and they're bristling and they're thinking of all the comfort it's giving them. Mm -hmm. Why don't you state again, what is the alternative? Not how to get out of it yet, because that's the next question you should talk about. But in exchange for their certainty, what are the gains for them to move away from this? Again, effective communication, open conversations, right? Where your kids are going. If you think about what we teach kids about handling difficult situations with substance abuse, right? So you've got a teenager. You should talk to them about if you're in a place where you feel uncomfortable, if you're in a situation where you need me to come pick you up. Here's how we can communicate about that. We give them tips about saying, if they don't want to go somewhere, saying like, oh, my mom says I can't go there, right? We talk to kids about how do we problem solve that if you're in a difficult situation, you can communicate your way out of it. You can make decisions to get yourself out of it. We want them to practice good decision making. And if parents say to kids, I am going to take away your decision making, because these apps are going to make all the decisions for you, or I'm going to make all the decisions for you, you're not equipping your kids with the ability when you're not around. That's the point, is that you're not going to always be around. How do we help them make good decisions? How do we help them communicate? How do we help them recognize that they're not in a good place? They need to get out of a place. If you are preempting that all the time, you're getting in the way of that skill. The other thing you want to pay attention to is that when you are tracking your kids, they are recognizing that you need to know for your own benefit. They are recognizing that you're anxious, a lot of them. They are recognizing that it feels very intrusive. And they are going to not trust you. Because it implies you don't trust them. Correct. 
And so then when you start saying to them, when you want to have the conversation about this is how you keep yourself safe, or these are the decisions you should make, if you want to go away to college and you're going to be this far away, you have already given them the message that they are not trustworthy. They don't trust your motives. They don't trust your ability to let them go. It is so impactful on relationships in both directions. And so I know it's hard to let go of this. And that's one of the things that we see is that if you start doing this and you normalize it and you say, well, it's really important because they're going home alone after middle school or this or this or this, you become dependent upon knowing where they are. You're dependent upon those notifications and you just don't let it go. That becomes you fulfilling your need and you're giving them the message that your comfort your security, your certainty is more important than their independence. And that's what I see in anxious families. That's what you have to pay attention to. Your ability to tolerate not knowing teaches them the very same skill. It just becomes a vicious cycle. What do you tell parents who are currently tracking who might want to stop? What do those parents say to their kids? Well, I think that if you are tracking, right? And now you're recognizing it. You don't have to go cold turkey. And in fact, this is sort of, it can be a little addictive. So it's really hard for people to go cold turkey. They tell me like they feel really anxious without that information. I think you can talk to your kids about when you're going to track them and when you're not going to track them. Because say, for example, it's the first time you're going to send your kids off. They're really excited. They're 16 and they're going to go to a concert for the first time. You may say to them, okay, so this is a new experience and you're going into this place that you've never been before. So I'm going to turn on the tracking just so we can work through this. You begin to be more selective about the circumstances that you're tracking them in. And you talk to them about that. And you want to own it too. You want to say, look, I'm lengthening the leash. So throw me a little bone here and let me track you while you're at this event. You're going to negotiate with them that that means you're not going to track them every day when they're going to school and coming home. You're not going to have expectations that when they're off doing the things that they do in their normal life, that you're going to know exactly where they are. But you may say to them, this is going to be a situation where I will, and this is a situation where I won't. And I think that can be helpful. That has to be a pretty gradual plan because a lot of these kids, because they've been tracked, They need catching up with all of those responsible communications. Mm -hmm. And so if you say like, I'm not going to track you because you and I need to figure out how to coordinate Mm -hmm. your schedule and my schedule without the help of technology, I need you to communicate that to me. And that's going to be bumpy, I think, in the beginning. Yeah. Kids are getting phones younger and younger. They're getting their own phones younger and younger, which please delay, delay, delay. It's normalized for them. They think this is the way the world works. There are little watches that toddlers can wear that you hit the button and your mom or dad's face appears. You know, it immediately connects you via, you know, a Zoom call or a Skype call. So they think it's normal too. So if you've been tracking your child since they were a toddler, if you've been tracking them since they got a cell phone or a smartphone when they were eight, it's going to feel really weird for them not to have that contact with you. If we move to a place where the outlier voices like yours and other people in the mental health profession have illustrated why these are detrimental, Mm -hmm. but the consumer culture wins. 
I mean, this is a world where that level of certainty through technology will not serve us. I mean, not to be a downer, but it takes extra effort to buck what is the norm here. Robin, my arms are tired from paddling upstream. Yeah. There are so many ways that we can immediately help parents feel safer, that we can immediately help parents feel more secure in their parenting. And there is this very powerful combination of increased technology and increased catastrophic talking about the dangers of children today. Those two things are combining in a way that's making it really, really hard. Like I sound like the crazy person. Actually, as I think about that, I don't know if I sound like the crazy person, but not the crazy person, the Cassandra. Yeah, because I'm sort of whatever the opposite of catastrophic is. People think that I'm being irresponsible or that I'm, but the way they normalize it and what parents say to me, and they say this in my office too, is, well, what's the harm? What's the harm, really? Talking to parents who are lying down and falling asleep with their 10-year-old every night, you know, they'll say, well, what's the harm? That's, who cares? And really what we have to pay attention to is that if you keep saying to me, United States of America, oh my gosh, our kids are more anxious than ever. Our kids are having more trouble with their emotional health. Our kids are more depressed than ever. What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And I keep saying, we need to teach these skills to increase their autonomy, to increase their emotional management, to increase their ability to navigate a tricky world. And you go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's fine. Whatever, Lynn Lyons. But what's going on? I mean, it's really like this very interesting dynamic of me saying, it's not a mystery, guys. These are the skills we need to work on. And people saying like, oh, oh, well, that sounds interesting, but, right? The yeah, but. It's just such an interesting dynamic that's happening right now. As you say that, I can see why so many parents would say, look, there are a lot of people on team certainty Mm -hmm. and I'm doing just fine. Right. And I'm going to stay on team certainty because team certainty feels really good And it really is so much about short-term versus long-term, right? So much about short-term versus long-term. So let me just say this. If you're on team certainty, I'm just going to give you a little little nugget to think about. When you were a teenager, I don't even know, I'm old, but when I was a teenager, we didn't have cell phones, right? We didn't even have answering machines because I'm old. If your mom picked up the extension and was listening in on your phone call, how did that feel to you? So you're talking to your friend about, you know, she's wants to go out with this guy or she just French kissed for the first time or, and you hear the phone pick up and the mother on the other end or the father, you hear that. Cause remember we could hear that. How did that feel to you? How did it feel when somebody was intruding on your ability to have conversations that were separate because that's what we're supposed to allow our kids to do. And I think we have so normalized intrusion. I think we have so normalized it. We really need to pay attention to what that does, not only to your child developing their own autonomy, but what it does to your relationship. Because if you had a mom like that or a dad like that, how did that impact your relationship? What were you willing to tell them or not willing to tell them? And the culture in the 70s and 80s, when a lot of us were growing up, 
Carol Brady on the Brady Bunch would not have been shown listening to the conversations of her children because the cultural norm back then was that is an invasion of privacy. Mm -hmm. It never showed Mike Brady reading Greg's diary. Culture was on the side of that sense of autonomy. Mm -hmm. And technology with a lot of expensive marketing has helped normalize the invasion of privacy. Right. And we're getting the message all the time. You better make sure what your kids are, how they're using their phones. It's true because it has many more capabilities. Right. And therefore, we're supposed to monitor it. So it leaves us all very confused. Yes. And on that note, and we've talked about this, the apps that limit screen time, that like turn off the phones at certain times, I'm all for that. Like I am all for limiting screen time and for giving parental control, particularly for young kids about what they have access to. You're kidding yourself if you don't think that when you give your 12-year-old a smartphone that they are not on Pornhub, everybody. I mean, they are learning about these things. They know how to get on these things. So I am not against parents limiting, particularly for young kids, limiting the amount of time that they're on screens, turning off the phone at a certain time at night. That is so, so important because kids can't limit this on their own, which is why they shouldn't have them in the first place when they're not capable. It's like giving a 13-year-old a Lamborghini, bad idea, but I'm totally fine with limiting screen time. We're really talking here about the tracking apps and how we're looking at where they are, turning their microphone on so you can listen to a conversation. That stuff is just beyond the pale for me. Okay. So as we finish this, I just want to say that I'm very glad that my voice held up because I went to my first Celtics game yesterday with my son. We are playoff pals. It was game seven and I screamed my head off for two hours. And it was so much fun. And driving home, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I have to record in the morning. Yeah, it was so much fun. Oh, that's great. We love the pictures. Yeah, it was really, really fun. So I'm glad my voice held up. Well, all I know is it's the middle of May, which means I'm behind and late and overdue with several camp forms as a parent. You're past that chapter. But I was just thinking about it again for people who are in this phase Go back and listen to our Separation Anxiety and Summer Camp episode. And the great story they told me at my son's camp, because their camp, no cell phones, et cetera, no pictures. That's a whole other thing, right? Taking pictures of kids and sending them to parents. We've talked about that. But the great story about the grandma who sewed a cell phone into her little grandson's teddy bear so that she could have access to him at camp. They found a cell phone sewn into a teddy bear. Don't be that parent. Or grandparent. Don't be that grandma. Don't be that grandma. Yeah. And just a reminder, there are four spots left to work with Lynn privately at our fall retreat. And even if you don't work with Lynn privately, we all get together for two morning parenting workshops down in Orlando and registration is live. It's live. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? 
My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.